Welcome to a special episode of Inspirations Beyond Disabilities today, where I am joined with my one of my favorite co-hosts. Don't everybody get offended, but Jay. What's going on? We are here with a special guest, Marie, where we are going to talk about today degenerative blindness and, you know, how it affects childhood and whether or not, you know, it should be talked about at a young age, whether or not it should be brought up. So first, let's let's start by one introducing ourselves. I'm, I'm Ezric, also known as Blind in NY, and with me I have Jay, also known as the Baritone Blurred. Jason, no, Jay, what's up? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the special edition. And I'm also joined by Marie. Marie, how are you? Good. I'm happy to be here. How are you guys? Good. We're all right. <laughs> good. 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 And as always, you know, we have our, our lovely producer in the background, Jason. Jason, what's up? Hey, how you doing? I'm just monitoring the chat. Everybody wants to know who the new pretty lady is. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Well, I'm Marie. Um, I am a uh, TikTok creator um, and I make blindness related content and I'm going into my senior year of college soon. So getting ready. So the main reason we got you on here is um, I came across your your video about, uh, you know, whether or not asking people whether or not their parents told them about their their degenerative. Oh, my God. Ezric words, degenerative eye condition early on or if they had to find out on their own or if they're still in the dark about it. Pun not intended. I was going to say, let's let's start with one explaining our personal experiences and then we can get into like the meat and, and potatoes of the of the topic of like whether or not you think it should have been told early on or whether it whether or not it um it would have made it worse um well i'll go first for me when i was younger nobody really told me they just told me you have this eye condition you know your your vision is bad you know they didn't tell me it was going to get worse it wasn't until like, I want to say I was in middle school and there was this other, um, I went to a you know, school for the blind from like third grade all the way up until like 12th grade. And I'm in, you know, this class of like six students. And one of the girls in my class just so happened to have the same eye condition that um, me and Marie have, which is Libra's congenital zomerosis. But the beauty of Libra's is there's so many different variations that... Mm -hmm. You never know if that person's on the same level as you. So that being said, my science teacher who loved to pay, play favorites, I was the only guy in the class. So she would always, you know, be more friendly, friendly with the, the females in the class would always, you know, point out to the student, Hey, you know, you got to like learn Braille because your vision's eventually going to go or, Hey, you know, you got to take care of the site that you have, blah, blah, blah. And nobody was telling me this. And it wasn't until, one, I had my, my traumatic accident with uh, the Nerf gun that I realized, okay, my retinas are weak. 
Then when I was 17 and I went to the Dominican Republic, I had met one of uh, my four cousins that also have the eye condition. And he is almost completely blind to the point where all he sees now is uh, shadows or shapes. And it made me realize, oh, okay, so this gets worse. This is not, you know, like, this is not where I'm standing. It, it gets worse over time. Like, who who's going to tell me this? Right. I think my, my condition is, so for those of you that don't know, um, that will see this, my condition is retinitis pigmentosa. I've had mine my entire life. I was diagnosed at three years old. And I think from the very jump, um, as far back as I can remember, I was told, hey, this is going to get worse. My mom and my dad sat down with me. And kind of told me because they didn't know everything, but the parts that they did know, like, you know, this is why you struggle at night. This is why, you know, you can't see certain things when they fall on the floor, see certain things when they're far away. And eventually mm -hmm. this will lead to you losing everything. Like, I remember when I was younger, uh, my eye doctor at Will's Eye here in Philadelphia told me that they basically gave me till 25. Like my condition was supposed to go bye bye or my eyes sight was supposed to go bye bye at 25. Mm -hmm. I'm 36 now and it hasn't happened fully um but it was supposed to all be gone by 25 years old um mm -hmm. my brother has the condition that i do and him and i both kind of like um you know we always had that like ticking clock in the back of our minds like you know at this point or at this age things are going to start getting worse or just totally go away so yeah murray yeah so for me um i have lca just like you Ezraic. um we probably have different forms it sounds like based on what we're saying um but yeah there are many forms of lca um and as a kid my vision was very stable it was always stable and i obviously i knew i had a visual impairment like i i've always known that um but every time i would go to an eye doctor they're like oh it's stable you're st it's stable and no one ever said you're gonna lose vision even though the doctors knew um if you look in my charts you know in for my form of lca they say in the beginning to early like either beginning of your teen years to late teen years is when most people lose the remainder of their eyesight um mm -hmm. so i didn't know that though i was like okay it's just stable and um i think my parents were in denial about it because i had so much vision compared to other people they would see when we would go to like these conferences these vision conferences so mm -hmm. they they were so in denial that they were like oh it's just gonna stay stable like it's fine and so no one told me but like during and um, in times when, you know, I was encouraged to learn Braille or learn to use a cane, I didn't want to because um, I saw it as pointless. I'm like, well, what's the point of this? Like, I can see this is just very time consuming. This is a waste of time. I was a very stubborn child. Um, nothing's changed. But um, they're all like, you know, you might like my TVI. I love her. But she was always like, you know, you, um, you might need this one day, like you might, but she never said I would because she didn't want to be the one to tell me that if no mm -hmm. one else was. Um, and interestingly, like, you know, she just, I, I grudgingly learned it. I did not want to learn it. Um, as I got older though, like transferring from, let's say a grade school to a middle school where it was a bigger school, I had to use a cane because of that, but I didn't want to use it. I'm like, I can still see. So no. And I would just not use it and I would get in trouble and get lectured all the time, but I didn't care. Um, so it was a lot of that. Cause I didn't think I would lose the vision, but as I got closer to like high school when I, cause I lost the majority of mine at 14. 
I started noticing changes in my vision and I my TV I literally still remember she said I came in there once and I told her like my vision feels weird like I feel like I don't know like I feel like I'm losing vision or something and she's like did someone tell you that like who told you that I'm like no like I don't know maybe I'm just having an off day um and then I kind of had to figure it out on my own like when I you know because at one point I did transition to all braille and her thing was you're doing it to be more independent not because I was going to lose my vision Mm. um Mm -hmm. and so I started doing it I'm like oh it's probably more efficient now because you know there's more reading as you get older and your my eyes would get so tired so I was like oh I'm just doing this because school's getting a lot I'd Mm -hmm. never sight loss you know it's in that much denial um and so I started using braille and that was really hard and using a cane but I didn't completely need it but then I obviously started noticing huge changes and the one like big moment where I noticed it was I itched my better eye and Mm -hmm. I couldn't anything out of the eye that I wasn't touching and I was like oh my god like there was nothing there it was like a white fog nothing there and I was like what is this like that's how I found out Mm -hmm. okay so that that actually leads me into like another point of um so when I lost my right eye uh I lost it to a nurse gun you know I think I've mentioned this a couple of times it was Mm -hmm. you know childish dumb kid games you know and I didn't realize that I was blind in that eye for like a whole month and a half. It wasn't until, you know, they did the whole eye test of like, you know, covering your eye, tell me what you can see on the board, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And they covered my left eye and they're like, so what do you see? I'm like, I see nothing. I see absolutely nothing. And they freaked out, which and you know, in the process freaked me out, which made everything worse. And obviously now we know what happened, but the point that I'm trying to make is it's funny how, you know, those moments of like, oh, oh, crap. You know what I mean? Like, this yeah. is real. This is happening. Shock. I think it's shock. And even in the shock, though, I was in so much denial. Like, I think even when it did happen, I was like, no way. And I, like, went inside and covered the better eye and tested it hundreds of times to make sure, like, I wasn't wrong uh, because I was in that much denial. And I think my mm-hmm. parents were in denial. Like, oh, well, we'll go to an eye doctor next month. We have an eye doctor anyway, so they'll confirm it. And I was like, there's nothing to confirm. Like, I literally can't see out of the eye. Um, And I think it went downhill from there. Like, after that eye, the other eye started getting worse. I still have, like, shadows out of the other eye. Like, I can see shadows. It's not the white fog. But Mm -hmm. you're saying, Jay, like, I don't know when it's going to when it's going to go or how much more I'll lose in the better eye with just shadows. And it is just shadows, but any bit counts, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So let me ask you a question. Do you feel like if it wasn't treated as, oh, it'll stay stable, it'll stay stable. Do you feel like you would have been better or worse prepared for like the losing of sight? I think that um, it, I think I would have been less stubborn, like learning the skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I probably would have been like, yes, teach me this stuff if I knew that it was going to happen. But knowing me, like I'm a very anxious person, I think it would have given me so much anxiety. I think I would have like spent every day like, oh, my gosh, is it going to happen this day? I think it would have drove myself crazy. And I think um, it would have caused me like depression, I think, like Mm. when it happened. Because I think, you know, if you tell a kid any awful things going to happen to you one day, I think if this awful thing is going to happen to you, like it's going to scare the kid. They're going to think about it. And Mm -hmm. 
it, it builds it up to be scary or not that it isn't scary, but it kind of makes it like worse than it is almost. That, that's interesting. Cause I know for me, like they told us kind of in advance and I did, I still did exactly what you did. Like when it came to like mobility training and needing to use the cane in high school, like they wanted me to use the cane in high school. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm not using this now. Like, I don't need this. I don't want this. They wanted to teach me Braille when I was younger. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Just give me large, bold font and these giant heavy textbooks that will destroy my back and I'll be fine. Like, forget about all of the rest of this. Like, I was still defiant. And I always looked at it as like, when, when as you were talking about this, the first thing I thought about was, all right, so you know when, when like somebody is like good, going to die or like somebody has passed away, they talk about the stages of grief. Mm -hmm. Like in my head, I never thought about it. But in a lot of ways, it kind of mirrors the stages of grief. Like you go through denial and then you like, like, this isn't going to happen to me. Like, I don't need all of this training. I don't want all of it. Like, I'm not going to be that kid carrying that thing all around. And then you go through mm -hmm. like bargaining where it's like you start to lose it a little bit and you're going, well, well, you know, if I could just hold on to this for a little while longer and you ultimately get to like acceptance. But like that whole process, I felt like for me, when they told me like it was going to happen, I started to go through that. I went through denial a lot longer like yeah. completely maybe way longer than I should have, but like, I, I still went through it. So I, I it, that's interesting to me. Like, that's interesting. Uh, no, I think that is interesting because that's a good point. Like maybe I would have still been that defiant person. Like, Oh, it's not happening now. So I yeah. don't have to worry. About it. Like, yeah. And I think we all go through the stages of, of grief. That's so interesting. Cause I, I was thinking about that uh, a couple weeks ago. Like it's true. Um, Like denial. And I mean, I went through it, probably after like when I finally because I think I was in denial for like a long time yeah. um but like my stages of grief happened like maybe way after like I started realizing the sight loss but it mm. still happened so it's interesting mm. so I, I just wanted to introduce I remember um when we were talking about the whole you know I would have actually listened to those instructions of like you know learning to use the cane learning braille for me, I, you know, learning to use the cane, I started when I was eight, you know, and I was like, all right, fine. You know, this is going to make my life easier. Let's go. Right. But Braille, nobody started teaching it to me until after the accident with my right eye. And it was like, oh, well, we're teaching it to you now because you saw how a little Nerf gun can mess up your eye. Got to imagine you falling and hitting your head a certain way or you getting shot again or you getting punched in the face hard enough so mm. let's let's you know let's try to teach you braille which i didn't successfully do i still don't learn uh, i still don't know braille fully to Neither. this day Neither. but i think if they would have you know told me ahead of time maybe when i was like in preschool or maybe when i was in like elementary listen your vision might get bad over time we don't know yet you know fingers crossed it doesn't but it might but in the case that it does, let's let's learn Braille. You know what I mean? Let's learn this. cool, Like, you know what I mean? Make yeah. it fun and also make it so that I know that there's an actual purpose, not, you know, hey, this just <laughs> happened. So this might happen again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I think then, down is kind of where like that, where like downplaying it isn't always helpful. Yeah, mm -hmm. not like, at all. You know, you might you never know. Like, yeah, you never know, but you could get in a car accident tomorrow. You never know. Like, right. that doesn't do right. anything. 
And then that goes back to the whole um, anxiety and depression thing that you brought up. And it reminds me, like, um, before this pandemic, I was in the process of, I successfully did it, trying to get Luxterna. And that's because um, with Luxterna, it hopefully, you know, either stops the the deterioration process or it um, slows it down or retards it. And I'm hoping that, you know, it at least stop it at least stops it or, you know, slows it down. I know I've seen a little bit of vision changes, like nighttime is a smidge, a little bit brighter, but that's about it. Mm. I'm sorry Number- to interrupt. What form of LCA do you have? Because like my form, they said it doesn't work with Luxterna. Like I went to like eye appointments. What form do you have? I have uh, RPE 65. Um- that's the one they were saying works with Luxterna. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can you guys explain what that is? Because I'm I'm not familiar with that. Okay. It just um with Libra's congenital amaurosis, there's like at least I want to say 15, don't quote me. Mm-hmm. 15 <laughs> different variations. I know there's um mine, which is RPE 65. There's RDH 12, which uh Marie has. There's mm-hmm. uh CBR1, which I think uh um Nessa has. Um, there's, there's a few other ones I can't remember off the top of my head, but those are a few of the more popular ones that I can think of. Okay. Okay. It's like, and there's like rare forms. Mine, they said was like the rarest form of LCA. So it's like, it's weird because it's the same condition, but there's different forms and that affects how much you can see or can't see. Mm-hmm. That affects when the blindness sets in, where it sets in. Yeah. Cause I have had a math teacher that he w- he has it and he was born damn near completely blind and like it just went like completely worse as he got older like mm. so, so let me ask this question if say say you could start over again ask this question to both of you if you could start over again right you're you're diagnosed and you're told early on what would you re- what would you like to have them do for you to make that transition easier okay um one i think for me would have been yes you know like we said knowing you know firsthand the truth mm-hmm. and two giving getting the tools you know let's learn braille let's you know let's take you on mobility lessons let's everything that you thought you know, you took for granted when you didn't think you needed it. Mm-hmm. Let, let's bring it in. Let's bring mm-hmm. it in now and let's tell you why you need it. Glasses. Let's for me in my my instance, let's glasses. Let's make you realize, yes, they may not be doing much to help your vision, but believe me, 100 percent, they are protecting your vision. You know what I mean? Like show me videos of people getting, I don't know darts in the eyes and then showing me how uh, how the glasses would have stopped the fucking dart i don't know but just certain things that are a little bit more less hindsight and now more let let's bring it into the first hand and let's point out the obvious that should have been pointed out maria was was is there anything that you think that you would knowing back then like is there anything that you would have wanted or thought you would have needed to make that transition easier that you didn't have that you wish existed. Yeah. I think, um, just realizing, I wish people realized the emotional toll that it takes on people instead Mm. of, um, 
I guess instead of seeing them as just like a defiant kid who's stubborn and doesn't want to do this, right? Or, or just talking to them and like just not like okay, I don't mean like telling them, "Oh, this is awful. This is the worst thing." Like we don't want to pity kids because yeah, mm-hmm. like, but I think also not always playing devil's advocate and saying like you're overreacting, you're this, and just realizing the emotional toll that it takes on someone and just there for them and feeling it with them and helping them in in those ways and also introducing them to people who have lived it because I know for me like later on I met some people who were older than me who were blind and that helped so much just I looked up to them so much and I still have people I look up to so much like older people that you know like Jay I look up to you a lot like I think you're amazing as like like older than me you know and um and Jason and just like people in my everyday life you know like seeing adults who are thriving and getting to talk to them and realizing like this is going to be okay and I'm happy that I get to do that for like little kids now or younger yeah. people mm-hmm. younger than me yeah good I, I, I completely agree with you on the, the having people. I think for me, it would have been a little bit of both. Like, show me people who have conditions. It doesn't even have to be mine. Just show me someone who has the condition who has managed to succeed in life. Like, show mm-hmm. me somebody who's like a professional that's like dealing with a condition. Show me somebody who is like, because a lot of times it kind of goes into, and it's not said, but it's almost, it almost feels like it's expressed. Like, you have this condition now. Here's your corner. Here's your cane. Here's your chair. Here's your check. Enjoy your sad little existence, right? Like that's mm-hmm. how you're treated, right? But if you start to see, like, oh, you have this condition, but here's like, here's like a lawyer that does it. Like here's a here's a not a doctor because that that'd be interesting. But like here's a teacher. <laughs> that it. Like here's here's these here's these professionals that did it, right? But then also give me like, tick, being on TikTok has helped yeah. me feel more normal as a person, I think, with my condition than I've ever felt in my entire life. Because not mm-hmm. only is it like people who have your exact condition, but it's everybody who's going to go through exactly what you've gone through in one form or another, whether it's ableism, whether it's dumb things you've done, whether it's dumb things people have said to you. Like, if you give me, if you show me people who've done it, but then you also like help me have like a community of people that have like, you know, I'm going through this right now with you, I think it would have made that transition a lot easier, especially when you have that day where you start to lose vision and you could actually like talk and vent to somebody about you, like losing that vision, somebody who understands what you're going through. I think that would have made it a lot easier for me. Oh my God. Yes. Like my best friend, I met her at, um, we went to guide dog school together and, um, we like she's my best friend we don't live in the same um state but we met there and she's my best friend we talk almost every day like she understands me on every level and i understand mm. her on every it, you need that like i feel like i need that we all need someone to just completely understand you and right feel you <laughs> you know yeah yeah because i think it's like i think we've all had the experience of like trying to explain our condition to someone who doesn't have it and they're trying, like, you know, God bless them. They're trying to get it. But, like, sometimes it almost seems like you're speaking a completely foreign language to them. And you're just trying to translate for them and still explain to them, like, what's going on at the same time. Like, you need them to feel the emotion of what you're going through. But at the same time, 
you need someone who will understand that emotion and that's difficult so i think having somebody be there for you that like gets it mm-hmm. like especially if you like you can call somebody up and just be like it's one of those days and some yeah. and they like automatically know what's going on like that would be a, a huge help just like starting out that's why i think like i i i went to a school for the blind and visually impaired from like fourth grade on like fourth grade to eighth grade at least um and some it was really helpful sometimes to have that but when you go to like high school and like nobody gets that ugh, that, that, See, that I, could be a nightmare yeah like i never went to um a school for the blind and so i think that's interesting like i think it it definitely has its perks because you're you're with a group of people who just get you like teachers students everyone yeah. i've always gone to a public school where i was literally always the only blind kid there mm. um and so i think just getting used to like explaining myself but it gets exhausting like every year you have to explain yourself yeah. and prove yeah. a big it is proving yourself to people that i'm not this helpless person like i'm a normal whole human being and i'm capable and just proving that gets exhausting yeah let me ask you this have you had to develop a script for yourself no, yes do <laughs> <laughs> the same document so i, I every year like this I copy paste every year. Copy yeah. paste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have the same thing in graduate school. I have a template on my computer of just like, it's a letter I have to send out to every professor at the start of like the term. And it's just like, it's this one, like, hi, this is what's going on with me. And then you basically have to like make a little bit larger font. I, I did this on purpose. Like I made the second part of this, like, although I have this condition, I am still able to do the, like, I, I have this whole script like built out in my computer. It's, it's crazy. I love that. Yep. No, I was, I totally agree with you guys. Like I've, when I was in college, I'm kind of taking a little uh, hiatus or mm. I'll leave that alone. Yeah. But um, when I was in college, I, I do remember going through that whole method of one, either having to send them the email or sit down and like have a whole conversation of this is what works for me. This is what doesn't. And this is mm. why. And Yeah and like explaining to them too like the level of blindness like i have no usable vision yeah so no but when i could see better like when i had better vision in like middle school grade school being like no like blindness is a spectrum like i could still see in middle school and grade school but now it's like almost easier because i'm just like oh i see nothing because i don't like no usable vision so for for just for a quick second because this is what scares the heck out of me about being blind is school you know i'm so i'm kind of curious as to what what details how do you go about letting them know you need accessibility and then you were saying like you have to prove to people that you're you don't need help but at the same time don't you have to let people help you when you need it because you still need help you're not perfect at everything right so how do you balance between being a proud independent person but yet still letting them know you're going to need help from time to time i was going to actually pitch this to you as a show (laughs) i was going to pitch you uh so i i don't marie i'm not sure um how your your school does it i know my school there's a uh, there's a disability office where they give you a letter and that letter is based on what's been uh, requested or recommended by your eye doctor or whatever um, about your condition. Um, so it's a letter, an official letter basically saying this person needs untimed testing. This person needs um, uh, electronic, uh, not like hard back books, but like like 
uh, eat published books. Um, and you just attach that to whatever email you're like sending your, to your professor. Cause that is just basically like a list of accommodations, but in general, you have to kind of like introduce yourself to what class you're in, um, tell them about your condition, um, kind of how it like impacts your ability to see, and then uh, anything else that you want to let them know. So for me, there's like that whole first paragraph is just kind of like explaining who I am and my condition. And then there's like two paragraphs after that for me of like explaining like, you know, this is what I am capable of doing. Uh, I am able to keep up. I, I, although I have this condition, I intend on um, participating and in, in, in achieving at the highest levels and, and so forth and so on. And for the most part, I know in my experience, at least with graduate school, a lot of professors have been like, okay, cool. You know, they, they haven't like looked down on me. Um, I, I did have one or two that kind of treated me uh, kind of like trash. But like, other than that, for a large part, my professors have been okay with like explaining like this is where I need help. And for them, it's as simple as like setting a setting, I guess, under my my student profile so that like my tests are untimed um, and stuff like that. But like that's that's the benefit of going to like school online, I guess. Yeah, no, I've had very similar situations. I think um, I'm very um, open about what I need and I will tell them exactly what I need like this. I am able to do this, this, and this. I'm not able to access this website or that website, like mm -hmm. inaccessible. I need you to email me this, or um, you know, I do this this way. Like just telling them my abilities, what I'm able to do, and then where I'm going to need help is like the most important thing. And most of my professors have been so accommodating, so nice, and open to like learning. Um, obviously, there's like always a couple that are, you know, yeah, there's always those. Yep. But for, yeah, I've been lucky. I've had really good professors um, who are so accommodating and disability services too. We have that um, on campus and that's a huge help, um, you know, converting the stuff and helping when, you know, there's a stubborn professor that won't do it, making mm -hmm. them you know, mm -hmm. say, hey, ADA, this is, you know, you have to help. You have to make sure that, you know, we have it accessible. I'm sure you're, you're wonderful about like, making your accommodations known, especially having a fight with, you know, <clears throat> fight for your, your justice with, uh, with reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, we definitely, I think all of us, you know, our advocacy skills are so good after, after a while, they get really good after you have to cont continuously educate and advocate. Definitely. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you guys this. Put yourself in the, cause try to circle back to the original. Learning, mm -hmm. uh, knowing, knowing or not knowing. If mm -hmm. you are a parent, you have a child that has your exact condition or maybe even a different condition, but like ultimately has the same endpoint. Would you tell mm -hmm. your child? Um, would you tell your child about it or would you rather them uh, kind of find out on their own? <laughs> I don't think. Okay. I wouldn't not tell them at all. Like, I wouldn't just keep it a secret. But mm -hmm. I don't think, I do not think that I would, like, tell them right away, like, oh, yeah, in, like, 10 years. Like, let's say they say they're going to lose it like I did, like, when I was 14. I wouldn't mm -hmm. tell them way ahead of time because I feel like that's unnecessary, like, I don't know, like, stress on a kid. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's just me. Um, I'd probably tell them, like, as they start, like, noticing things or, like, yeah, or as they start having to, like, learn learn it maybe i'd start giving more information and just mm. being like 
or gonna lose your vision. That's so hard though. That's a hard that is a hard one to push. I think for me, I would, you know, tell them out from the jump, like, listen, you know, this is what it is. But you might lose it, but I have faith, you know, have you know faith in, in you because you're strong, you know, you're you're my child, you know, and you're a fighter. So I know for a fact this may happen, but if it does, one, you're gonna be strong enough to go through it because I'm gonna help you get strong enough. And two, you know, I it might not come. You know why? Because you're one of mine. You're strong enough to to get through it, um, to not, you know, not even have to deal with it if it comes. Mm. You know what I mean? Give them a little false, not a false sense of hope, but like that little bit of like faith that, you know, you might not have to go through it. But like, listen, if you are not only are, you know, am I here as a parent? But because I've been here all, all this time to help you, you know, prepare you for this. I know that you're strong enough to deal with it, even if I wasn't here. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Jay, you are a parent. So yeah. I'm curious, like, you know, like you actually are a parent. Like you would. What, do you, what are your thoughts? I would tell them. I would honestly I would honestly tell them. But I would tell them in the sense like, OK, this is this is what's projected to happen because and I would tell them about my experience of like you know I was quoted in age and I said age now so like that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen like the end result of the condition is projected to lose everything but you have no idea how long that's going to be you could have it your entire you know you could there are versions of RP where you don't lose your vision until you're like 80 years old so like mm -hmm. I don't want to tell them like you know you're going to lose it you know, as, when you turn an adult, I just be like, you know, you're going, you're going to lose it. Like you're projected to lose it. We don't know when, but you're projected to lose it. So while you have it, enjoy your childhood, enjoy your adulthood, mm -hmm. enjoy Make every second you got with it. Because Perfect. from experience, I know that when certain things change, you're going to miss not having mm -hmm. taken certain opportunities. Like me, I missed the opportunity to play football when I could. Like I, I wish I would have taken that opportunity, but I didn't. So like, I would want my kids to be like, okay, my two, my two daughters, if they're in the gymnastics, you know, um, you may lose it one day, but while you have it, let's do gymnastics. Let's enjoy gymnastics. Now, maybe they can adapt it to where you can still do it later on, but if they can't have the experience now that you, that you at least have those experiences, mm -hmm. you understand what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't give them like the definite doomsday, even if the doctor provides like a doomsday, like, Hey, you know, at 30, you're going to lose it. Don't give them that. But at least tell them like you have the ability, you have the uh, not the ability, but like it has the potential to be all gone down the line. Right. It's, That's it's funny that you met. So I'm sorry to cut you off, Rory. Oh. I was just going to say it's funny that you mentioned the ultimate doomsday because um, nobody really gave me the ultimate doomsday until recently. Mm. For me, like as I started talking to other people that have gotten the, the surgery that I was getting, you know, to like see what it's like. And one person was like, yeah, you know, my vision started getting like really, really significantly worse at the age of 25. Mm -hmm. Mind you, at this time, I'm 23, turning 24, and I'm fighting to get the surgery to happen because at any point in time, it could get worse to the mm -hmm. point where I don't see anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying, like, I'm fighting with the clock and I'm also fighting with the anxiety of like, I could wake up tomorrow and it's gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... You know, it just made me think about that. But, um, Marie, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, Jay, I think, um, you know, telling them, like, it's good because you can say, like, 
enjoy this while you can because like my parents did everything they could to like i was in like so many sports and so many activities and yeah. we went to like, but i think knowing like if i was gonna visit maybe i would have like taken a beach sunset in more or like yeah. appreciate mm. things that you could you could see more even though i was you know exposed to all of that and i did so many sports and i was exposed to all the visual things i think just knowing like oh one day you might not see those anymore maybe i would have like right i don't it more Enjoy, or enjoyed or made more visual memories to enjoy when the visions when like the darkness that's in mm-hmm. to not I, I know that sounds so morbid but yeah i get what you're saying yeah i liked marie's suggestion of being surrounded by um similar people if if, if i knew that i could genetically pass down blindness to my children i would start surrounding my children with people with disabilities at an early age yeah. you know mm-hmm. yeah i mean I went blind at 27. It's a degenerative condition that started at 27, but my mom was an amputee. And so I learned early on that differences weren't as much of a difference as I, it it was easier for me to adapt to my blindness, not being around other disabled people. Mm -hmm. I really like that. You don't have to full on tell them, but you can introduce them to somebody that has the condition a senior or something and let them get to know mm-hmm. those people so there's a middle ground there you don't have to be so blunt yeah. and you don't have to be so passive and there's a way to introduce that to a child i think is an amazing solution that we we addressed here today yeah. thank you mm-hmm. i just i remember i remember waking up and there was like a moon crust pattern in my eye and then i went to the doctor and they're like your retina's detached and like <laughs> It's been that way ever since. And so now when I sleep on a pillow, because I only have one eye, I don't want to put my good eye on the pillow. So I literally move the pillow in a way. And I wear safety glasses all the time now. And I'm super worried about just the detached retina because it happened to one eye. It could happen to another. To another you you know? want me to mail you my, my eye shield that they gave me from my surgery? I could clean it, you know, and send you some tape. <laughs> Some gauze, you know. But I know what it's like to live in fear of degeneration because even the macular degeneration is getting worse, you know. Yeah. And that's why I'm actually glad you were here because um, even you, you go through, you know, phases of, of vision loss as well. You know, yeah. it, it's definitely something that still happens, you know, even though yours was onset at a later age, you know, it's still, right. you know, it's still a, a thing that daunts on you. Like, I know. Every time I go through a, a about a vision loss, I'm like, oh, this is uh-huh. can only get it can only get worse from here now. <laughs> right. Oh, and then yeah. I, I have diabetes. So if I have blood high blood sugar levels, then I start to get bad vision because of that. And Ooh. so it's really awkward lighting and daytime and blood sugar levels and macular degeneration. And you go outside and sometimes you're all right. And other times it's like, I can't do that. Ooh. So. But I appreciate you all for being inspirations. I like that. Now I want to get some kids in that are losing their vision so that we can get inspirations that way, you know? Oh, my God. You gave me a great idea there, Marie. Thanks. Oh, oh, I, can't, I know. <laughs> she, I don't want to, you know, share too much of her story, but she lost all her vision a couple years ago. She's, like, amazing. Oh, who is it? Um. Well, her name's Addie. And okay. She's awesome. Um, her mom was actually my art teacher in grade school, and we reconnected um, over, you know, sight uh-huh. loss. So yeah, uh-huh. she's inspired 
literally so much. She's like the strongest person I know. Aww. I'm sitting here thinking about some of the things that we talked about earlier. And uh, one of the things that's a benefit in my profession is, is if you discover something that can, that's like a population, you should start working with it. And I never thought about like children dealing with sight loss or even adults who are dealing with sight loss being a mental health issue, like the mental health aspects that go along with it. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking like maybe that should be a population I should look into working with because like who else would understand that besides somebody who's been through that kind of like sight loss? Yeah. And, like finding a way to like create a resource, like a support resource for people who's, who are in the process of like losing or like first discover that they're losing their sight. Okay. Can you, you know, it's funny that you said this cause this, you just blew my mind, right? Me going to a school that's uh complete, you know, that was uh, for the blind and visually impaired. Right. Mm-hmm. I had a guidance counselor that I would see once a week or not a guidance counselor, but like whatever, it was a, a school counselor that I would talk to talk to about my problems once a week. Right. It's funny how you you're saying this, and I'm thinking in my head like she was a great person. Don't get me wrong. I, I, shout out to Miss Kim, love her to death. But how much better would it have been to have somebody who's understanding of your situation be your counselor? Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like to have for me to sit down and have I don't know, and you know, a younger me have someone like Jay sit down and, and, and talk to me about my me just losing my eye to a Nerf gun, I think would be so much more helpful and would have helped me gone through the grieving process a lot better than the way I did. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying maybe, shout out to the New York Institute, maybe they need a counselor like Jay, maybe OSB needs a, a, a school counselor like Jay. Or maybe they need a counselor like you uh no 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 no. i'm sorry i'm psychology is not my my thing i'm gonna leave that up to to you professionals i was just thinking like even like it doesn't even have to be like you're thinking of it of like having to be a professional right think about Mm -hmm. think about like think about like a blind life coach yeah right like somebody who who has been through it who has is a stable adult let's just say that Mm -hmm. like a stable adult right just being like, hey, like, I know you're going through this, but let me show you a few things or let me teach you a few things that, you know, either school can't talk to you about or like, mm-hmm. you know, the people who work with you can't talk to you because they don't really know or understand. Imagine having that just like from a young age. How busy do you think you're your because like, all right. So think about it like this from the yeah. c- connect this episode and last episode with the concept of trying things because someone told you you couldn't. Think about if how how much different your life would have been had you had like a, a blind or a visually impaired like life coach talk to you about like, hey, these are things you, you like. They say you can't do it, but in some instances, you may not want to try this because of X, Y or Z. Like how much mm-hmm. different do you think your your life would have or been? You can if you do it this way. Yes. Or mm-hmm. possibly even modifying how much different mm-hmm. would your life have been? Right. Mm-hmm. Or- he or he can do it i can do it you know right, like a right. lot of right. look at them why can't i do it if this person can do it right right do you think that that would have made hmm do you think that would have yeah. made parents more comfortable with some of the life choices you've made like especially when like your parent is like terrified for you to do anything do you think it would have mm-hmm. made them more comfortable to see an adult 
that has your condition, do it. Like moving out on your own or like uh, not driving a car. Because if you if you see somebody who's totally blind driving a car, you, you probably shouldn't model that. Um, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. They have an autonomous car, and I yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> or they Come have on. enough vision BMW. to drive with my optics. I think BMW should give us all BMWs and have us meet in a point in the, in America to do a show. You know you what I mean? Understand the level of car wrecks that would occur <laughs> with if it, if it's a BMW bumper car, I'm for it. But if it's like a B, a regular like BMW, the yep. amount of car damage and injuries would be out. Uh uh. Uh-uh. I'm not going to that meeting. But um... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I know this is off topic, but mm, this just gave me the idea. We need to get somebody who who uh, uses bioptics to drive. Like that, that, I, I feel like that's a topic we need to get on. I, yeah, I like that. Mm. But like, I'm just saying, just saying. Think about you as a parent, right? You as a parent, you're you don't have your condition, but you know your child does, right? So if your mm. child's talking about, hey, I'm ready to move out on my own. Hey, I'm ready to move to a different city. Hey, I'm ready to go to school. I'm ready to play the sport. And you see like somebody else as an adult do it. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you think that would make you feel more comfortable for letting your child actually do that thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So that's why I'm thinking like you may not be in the professional realm, like, you know, degreed up or whatever. But I think like a, a, a blind or visually impaired life coach, I think that should really be a thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting- That'd be cool. Like, I think that's so valuable. Like there's vision rehab therapists and I, I'm pretty sure that's what I'm doing. Like for my master's degree, mm-hmm. but I- a life coach, you know, like you're teaching them physical, physically how to be independent. And yes, there is a big mental aspect to it. Like you are talking to them because for a lot of them, like they, did just lose their vision you are talking to the families but like a life coach like that sounds like awesome it's kind of like a mentor program yes 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 like a mentor program i like that and i like the idea of just being surrounded by people that are just dealing with things on a daily basis you know what i mean sure because you'd be you would be amazed how a group of disabled people just help each other in ways you couldn't even imagine you know one person can do one thing so that's their goal every day you know yeah and so just being a child, even a child that without a disability, I think that's a, it's a, it's an important thing that they be surrounded by people with disabilities. Because like I, like I always say, this conversation only started like this, like millennia, this century, right? Mm -hmm. Like in 1990s, 1980s, we weren't talked about 1970s. We were locked away 1960s. We were tested and picked on. So this is really new. Like you three are the generation that gets to be the um, vanguard of conversation about blindness. And that's, what's cool. Nobody's really done it before you, you know, it sucks. Cause that was never talked about like, Oh, right. People with disabilities were locked up. No one wants to talk about that. That's not this awful thing. No one says, oh, that was awful. Look at what they went through back then. Like, no one wants to talk about that. You don't hear about that unless you do extensive research. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's that's most of, and not trying to go too far off, that's most of American history. The awful things are pretty much not talked about. And we just, unless you do your extensive research, you don't know that those things happen. And, and even if you treasure. do, they want you to forget about it. Pretty much. But, uh, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's going to conclude this episode of, this special episode of Inspirations Beyond Disability. We'd like to thank 
all of our hosts and our special guest, Marie, uh, for being here and having this conversation. So, Marie, can you tell the people where they can find you online? Yeah, so find me at um, MarieZachNoon0 on TikTok, last name Z-A-K-N-O-U-N. Um, I'm boring. I just have Facebook and TikTok, so no Instagram of that. So Cool. I'm boring, too, because I have that stuff and barely use it. Esther, yeah. where can people find you online? TikTok is blind underscore in underscore NY. And uh, Instagram is new underscore Yorks underscore blindest. Awesome. Awesome. Our, our uh, producer and the chief of this all, Jason, where can people find you online? Thank you for the second chance. You can find me on Twitter at public access pod in uh, TikTok at public access pod and Instagram at public access America. And you can find me on TikTok, Instagram at the Barrett's own blurred and Twitter at baritone blurred i don't really tweet all that often but i'm there so thank you guys for for joining us and joining the conversation we always appreciate having you here we appreciate you being a part of this conversation and until next time be inspired have a good one guys they told me don't dive in too deep the rocks are harder at the bottom of the
Beautiful. This was awesome. That I'm was actually last. Jason, I actually thought about the Marie. I don't know if you have the time to do another one. Not today, obviously, but like talking about being in school and like the journey mm-hmm. of being in school. That would be interesting to like to to yeah. kind of go over. Like, what was yeah. your academic experience like? You said you're a senior in college now, right? Yeah. So you're about yeah. to graduate. You graduate in May. This yep. coming May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I graduate this coming May too from graduate school, Doc oh. Wilding, depending on <laughs> what's happening. So. It'd be nice to have like people who are at the start of their journey or yeah. maybe somebody who's in the middle of their journey. And then like people who are at the end of the journey to kind of talk about like what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like I know Elisa mm-hmm. is also in school. Um, she's Elisa more week. at the end too. She's at the end too. Okay. So we got, yeah, I think she's stuff. more at the end. Okay. Um, but I don't know. Uh, Marie, let me know if you'd be interested in coming in on that. I would love to like that. sounds awesome. Okay, so I just got to yeah. find two other people who have either been in school or done school. Uh, well, no, I actually want people who are in right now because that that would be that would be mm-hmm. more fun. Um, but Jason, I'll let you know. I'm gonna kind of poke around TikTok and see who. He's I'll gonna scope the scene. Yeah, just kind of see who's it. in and you know who would be be great to have on. But um, guys, I got to dip. I got to. Speaking of school, I have to do something for school myself. I have to get it done before like three thirty. I gotta so, go do gotcha. illegal things. Wow. Um, (laughs) So, Maria, it was good talking to you. Uh, Thank you for being on. And you two guys, I'll I'll talk to y'all in the chat. All right. Talk to you later. Love you guys. Bye. You guys.